We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This season, all your favorites have one home for the holidays. Yours with Disney+. Plus. Merry Christmas! Moana, Woody, Buzz, Captain Marvel, Darth Vader, and Homer will all be there, so make room. Make Disney Plus your home for the holidays. Streaming Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and 30 seasons of The Simpsons. That's something to celebrate. Merry Christmas to you! All these and more now streaming. Go to DisneyPlus.com to sign up now. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth... You savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 141. Admissible Opinions brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and as Barcelona finished out their season, it seems to be a little bit of a grind, so I need his help again. You know, we heard him two weeks ago, but you also heard him for about the first nine and a half, ten months or more. What was it, Frances? I don't know. How long were you here? Too long, man. Too long. Um, clearly, the listeners had enough of me, but unfortunately, they've got me back again. Guys, it's great to be here again. Um, thank you. Than for obviously the hard continuing, but absolutely a pleasure to come back, even though results haven't been great um, at the European stage. But we're here again. All right, well, yeah, now I have my uh, mentions all flooded with uh, Frances. We didn't want you to leave. We actually wanted the other, the other, uh, the US based Joe Schmo to leave, but thanks for that. But uh, today, we actually are talking about somebody leaving something. And the focus of today's show, even though we're pulling all from our listener questions for La Ronda, it's does Valverde's job depend on the Copa del Rey? That's going to be the main focus here. Uh, and we're going to start with a bunch of questions in La Ronda about Ernesto Valverde. This is, again, before the Copa del Rey final. From Roy, do you think the board supporting Valverde is just a way to not cause tension prior to the Copa del Rey final? Oh, of course, without a doubt. Um, I am certain that Bartomeu is far more conservative than what people want him to be. When I say people, I, t- I tend to sort of signal and make reference to the people that have started following Barca over the last 5, 10, 15 years. And all they have seen is Barca winning. Um, I do know that Barcelona under Guardiola 
brought a lot of fans to the show, and that is a positive, you know. Then, obviously, Andrew Luis Enrique, more people came, uh, mainly because of the MSN influence. And minus Neymar, we've continued to win with, with Valverde. And I think that the fact that Barca is a winning club has brought a lot of people. Like, I do see it here in Qatar. A lot of my students actually were Manchester City tops because Guardiola is now there and they seem to be winning. So what I'm saying is that there's a lot of people attracting, a lot of new fans being attracted to the winning of Barca. This new fan base, these um, fan base that haven't experienced the history of Barca before we won a winning club, seem to have a very sort of short-term memory. Uh, they just want Barca to win every single time. And they, you know, when Valverde isn't playing the beautiful football that Guardiola's team used to play, they just want him gone, you know. And while I, some part of me does understand that, um, and, and I need to be a little bit more conservative, I tend to be anyway. Um, maybe it's a fact that I'm a little bit old. Um, I've been following the club for, what, nearly 40 years now. And I think we need to put everything into perspective, you know. I think that Bartomeu knows that winning La Liga, as Zidane himself said in the recent press conference, winning La Liga is the most important title of the year. That is the one that actually tells you whether the team is as good as they as it needs to be for the season. And that, that is target number one. Obviously, this year was different because the, the whole team, and Messi said it himself in the summer, you know, La Copa Linda, the beautiful cup, um, it was geared up towards winning the Champions League and that did not happen. So... You know, the Copa del Rey is a title that comes at the end of the year. Um, as I said in the previous podcast, which I strongly recommend listeners, if you haven't, go back um, to previous episodes and listen to those as well. Um, I mean, Diana was genius last week, and hopefully I was a little bit all right in the, after the Liverpool as well. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the Liverpool debacle will be in people's heads forever, but the Copa del Rey is the cherry on top at the end of the season. And if he does win it, that will um, make the season a little bit more bearable. Um, however, I'm not sure it is enough to keep him in, in the job. Yeah, I'm going to plug uh, the YouTube video I'm currently working on. Not sure when that's going to come out. Probably not today, but maybe uh, tomorrow being Thursday or Friday, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, and that's all about the history of the Copa del Rey. And in that research, I found that you know, there were times when, particularly when Real Madrid are at their strongest, Barca only won four Copa del Reyes in the 60s and 70s combined. You know, Johan, Johan Cruyff even, he won one Copa del Rey title as a player and one as a manager. So for all the dream team we talk about, yes, he did win four straight La Ligas, but the Copa del Rey was still a, a competition that Barcelona were lucky to win because of all the competition that, that existed in it. I mean, if looking back at the history even of the Copa, that is Athletic Bilbao's competition and Real Madrid's competition as much as is Barcelona. They just happened to, that being La Borgrana, they happened to have won the most over time and a big help to that is the last four years of straight titles of dominance that they've had uh and so for Valverde whether or not the Copa final would be his his last gasp I think that's already decided behind the scenes and I think this goes back to Roy's question about not causing tension even if he's leaving I think that decision is already made and I think if he's not I don't know if the Copa del Rey final unless there is a grand insurgency of of frustration coming from people very close to the club now i mean obviously us keyboard warriors you know thousands of miles away now frances you're thousands of miles away as well in qatar but uh you know we can complain about valverde as much as we want and that's not going to enact any change but you know if the people that truly matter say they want him out then he's out and and vice versa but i think if he survived 
you know, what happened in Liverpool and that's not already decided behind the scenes, if that makes sense, if that's not already decided behind the scenes that he would survive Liverpool, I don't see how either way in the Copa del Rey final, this winds up being uh, the last gas for him. And people said if the locker room supports him and in particular, if Messi supports him, then that's really the only, the only thing he needs, but there could be other options out there as well. Uh, and I think we'll have to see after the Copa final, which Douglas asked with all the injuries, what lineup do you think will Valverde use for the Copa final? And I think it's either Artur comes back uh, or Coutinho comes back if they're healthy. But if not, it looks like it's going to be the exact same lineup we saw against Ibar uh, with probably Malcolm and Roberto in the front three with Messi as a false nine. Uh, and then Artur would come back in midfield potentially. Maybe they play a 4-4-2 if Artur is healthy. or, uh, I, But I'm not sure because that's a lot of attacking onus then on on Malcolm or, I mean, then there's no way they're playing a full 4 2 with Roberto up top. So I think that's actually, uh, Valverde is in a bad way with his lineup. I think it's going to be a tough decision, but it might be the only decisions he has to make. Yeah, ultimately, I think it doesn't quite matter what team Barca actually plays. Um, man for man, Barca is a far better team than Valencia are. You know, even without Suarez, even without Dembele, even with the doubt of Coutinho, Barca are a better team. You know, and it has been proven over the last two years because domestically, Barca have been perfect. Um, the, the problem is, and it's going back to your original question, is whether that is enough for the current board to keep Valverde. And based on what I was saying earlier, I think it probably is. You know, Bartomeu is conservative and has got sort of the background, you know, follows Rossell and, you know, you can rewind even more years, follows the Nunez, Josep Luis Nunez philosophy, uh, the same school of thought that, Winning domestically is enough and everything else is a bonus. Of course, um, I totally agree with you. The Copa del Rey is and would be a bonus if it was won. Uh, it seems to be that, obviously, in the last four or five years, Barca have won it every time and people are used to it. But actually, it's quite an achievement to do. And, you know, if you ask any Real Madrid fans, they would have liked to win that certainly this year, but even in the previous years when they were winning Champions League as well. So, you cannot underestimate the power of winning La Liga or a domestic double if a Copa was won. But it goes back to the very same point is, do we want a team that will be able to challenge for European glory next year? And if we do, which I think we should do, then Valverde shouldn't really stay uh, because he's had two seasons in which, you know, you can't really ask the guy to do more in La Liga. I think his second year, particularly, in, you know, when we went to Roma, you could say he wasn't rotating enough. You can say the players were tired when they went to Roma and it was, uh, it was a fiasco. It was a misunderstanding and it was an accident. This second season, after everything he's done, he was rotating fairly well. Of course, Dembele was injured, um, especially you know, towards the second leg. But um, he had more than enough players. The, the investment was heavy in the summer. Um, people like Lengle or Artur that we thought you know, were going to be playing a much more secondary role actually became protagonists. And I think it's unexcusable, you know. And of course, I, I'm fairly certain that if Valverde stays with the support of the players, uh, with the young coming, uh, maybe the league comes as well, and a couple of a few couple of additions here and there um, to add depth. Maybe Felipe Luis comes as a backup for Jordi Alba. I'm not sure, but I think that the Liga could be won again, especially in the shape that Madrid are and the fact that they are, in a way, as you say, in the United States rebuilding. Mm -hmm. um, but is that enough? I don't think for me it is. I know for the vast majority of the sort of last 10, 15 years, newly commerce sort of fan base is not definitely not good for them either with the hashtag Valverde out that seems to be hitting social media every two seconds. But 
I think even for the most conservative sort of long life Barca fans, there needs to be a change. Whether the board is brave enough to do it, I'm just not sure. And whether there is a candidate out there that is ready today, I'm not sure either. So that may mean we've got Valverde for another year, but I want it to be fairly clear and absolutely clear for everyone listening. I would replace Valverde uh, with a better option. I'm just not sure who the option should be. But then again, that is uh, the role that people at the club should be having. Yeah, and I think, you know, this isn't in defense of Valverde because his failures in Anfield uh, and or at Anfield and then at, at, in Roma last year, those two matches, you know, they were, th- there is blame, there is fault, there is hurt, there is all this tension and issues that, that can be, that, that were shown by the club. The one defense I have already for all of that is while Messi did say Champions League is the most important thing, you look at that Champions League final and this is not a disservice to Tottenham. They deserve to get there. They beat the teams they did. They got over Ajax. They had a miraculous last-minute goal. But that's the whole thing about narrative that's frustrating about the Champions League. That's why people watch it, though, and that's why people care about it so much is because every team, in essence, I know it seems like it's the same teams. I and mean, yes, Real Madrid have you know won the last three, but anybody, in theory, can win the Champions League. You know, the fact that Tottenham, who has been the fourth best team in England and what the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh best team in, you'd say, world football week in and week out. And they're in the Champions League final because the Champions League final is not the two best teams. You know, and I think Liverpool has deserved to be there. They have been one of the top three teams. So as we as we kind of said, Liverpool against Barcelona felt like that was actually a Champions League final as much as it was. Uh, you know, a semifinal, again, not a disservice to Ajax, who got by Juventus and Real Madrid. But again, this year, it really is. It, it's what they, you know, it's another American term, but it's a crapshoot. It is, there's a lot of luck involved, seemingly, to win the Champions League. And so that's why the trouble is so hard, because the league is about the best season by the best Spanish team over the course of an entire year. And and that's what Barcelona have been now, uh, you know, at eight of the last, you know, 11 seasons. And Barcelona have been that, even in the Copa del Rey, where it's, again, that's a knockout tournament, but they've just been the superior Spanish sides. Uh, and, and I think that brings to the point about replacing him that there being so few options because it's, they have to figure out a way that, you know, we're going to get to this in a second, but Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, I think are going to be, as, as you said, rebuilding and retooling more than even Barca is. I think Barca of the three is going to be doing the least, but if they bring in a new manager in the way that Atletico and Real Madrid are expected to keep Simeone and Zidane, that would change things for Barca uh, quite a bit. And especially if it's a guy that Ellie says, Kike Setien just left Batiste. Is this a coincidence or is there our next coach? And Bartomeu was playing coy until after the Copa del Rey. Would you want him over Valverde? We actually went back when these rumors originally surfaced months and months ago. You just type in Kike Setien on Barca blog and you can actually listen to, you know, breaking down his managerial history and all that stuff that we've gotten into before. But at this point, Frances, Batiste, they finish not where they want to. And it wasn't so much the the players or the board or even results because, you know, Kike Setien, he overtook Real Madrid. He overtook Barcelona. He overtook Atletico Madrid. He had some big, big wins under his belt, but he also failed to be consistent. And Batiste, at times, were just possessing for possession's sake. And I think that's why the fans completely revolted in the way that the fans have com- basically completely revolted and they call Valverde boring. You know, it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. But Betis 
with all due respect, and a lot of my family actually from my mom's side um, are from Sevilla, Huelva, and southern Spain. So Betis actually is, is a very, very, it's very close to my heart, put it that way. Um, they don't have the depth in squad. They don't have the budget. They don't have the history. The history is varied and it's different, right? But they don't have the history of winning that Barca do have. Um, I, I want to look at it in a different way. Like Valverde did well with Atletico Bilbao. When he was in Olympiacos in Greece, he also won. And, and that was great, you know? And he's come to Barca and he's, and he's had two seasons in order to have a crack at, let's face it, the main target that was winning the Champions League. He has not succeeded, all right? He's got the favor of the of Messi and the sort of the core strength part of the squad, and I get that. But, you know, he's already had two goals, and, you know, normally you say third time lucky. Yeah, fine, but the, the way in this, which he... The way in which he failed to prepare the team psychologically, um, more than anything, for the Champions League decider last year and certainly this year, I think it's utterly unacceptable and makes a mockery of, of everything that we stand for. And, and, and he has to go. You know, um, normally, people that have been listening to the pod for the last two years, they know that I normally would be more conservative. I normally would be more sort of given a chance. Of course, that league is important, blah, blah, blah. But I think the way in which we went out is, is terrible. And, and it has to be a change. Um, would Kike Setien do better than Valverde next year? Why not? Why not? You know, he plays the right way of football. Valverde understands attacking football as well. But I think the creativity, the width, the, the, the one-twos that Betis were doing with players of, with all due respect, with all due respect, far lesser quality, that was, that was great to watch. You know, and you've got someone like Mar Bartra actually excelling at the centre of defence. And, you know, you've got people like Piquet or Umtiti or Lenglet and maybe the league next year. You know, that's, that's the difference in quality that we're talking about here. And I would give Kika Setien a go, for sure, you know. Um, and there is no reason why Barca, with that coach and the couple of tweaks that we've been discussing here already, that they won't be able to win La Liga again next year. And then in the Champions League, with Messi motivated, uh, with Dembélé hopefully away from injuries, and all the solid back and the transformational midfield once the young joins us, I think we've got every chance of winning in Europe again. But, you know, going back to the same coach that, has failed so miserably and in such fashion over the last two years, I think, I think it's, uh, it would be a mistake. So we need to change and give someone else a go. Yeah, I, I think what we're running into, then the more I think about this too, is the pragmatism of Valverde uh, might, might yield results, but we're at a point where they haven't, that approach has not won the Champions League. And in the same regard, again, there's coming a post-Messi, post-Busquets, uh, post-PK era on the horizon, and you have to begin to play a certain way that Barcelona want to play. I mean, it's not just, again, the global fans and people on the internet. It's that, and it's not that Barcelona were boring or that they were bad. I don't think that's what it is. I think that it was a pragmatic approach that there were results garnered. That, again, they won domestic cups. They dominated Real Madrid by more points in the Liga than they ever have. I mean, that's just success. And to me, success in the way it is, is not boring. They scored as many goals as they did in Pep Guardiola's first season, uh, or just about that same amount in the Liga. They didn't hit 100 goals in that season. They didn't hit it now. Uh, if we remember, actually, the first season of Guardiola, even, he was a little more pragmatic in the way. And the other difference, though, is he had Xavi and he had Iniesta, and he was truly building You know what we then came to see is the ideal model of what Barcelona will always be facing up to in terms of their style of play. 
Now, the reason for bringing somebody in would be that. It would I, it would not be based on results. It would be giving Valverde basically one more chance to get one match right. And that's all it is. It's that one Champions League, that second leg, to get one match right. And you'd be giving him a third chance. But when you bring in a Kike Setin, or I even look at a Rayo, uh, who will most likely keep Paco Jemez, as they have no reason to get rid of him. They played pretty well, even though they were relegated. But Paco Jemez is the same thing where he doesn't do well with relegated clubs, but you think, you know, if he ever had the clay of a top side, what could that kind of guy do? And the same, I have the same feeling about Kike Setin, that he could succeed if he had, like, the right clay to mold with, uh, which, as you said, the depth of, of Batiste is obviously not that of Barcelona, but I wonder... If, if unfortunately, in that situation where he had that kind of clay, if Barcelona would be stagnating right around the penalty box and, and just possessing it, then they would run into issues there. But again, these are all hypotheticals. Let's do one, Frances. I think that both of us could rant about, but I'm going to try to keep as simple as possible. Um, Alex says, what do you think about certain segments of the fan base actively rooting for Valencia this weekend with the thought that a loss would force Valverde out? Uh, and Frances, I say it's nonsense. Do you think we need any more words than that? Yeah, I think we do actually. Okay. Um, I think it is it is nonsense, but I also think it's it's embarrassing. Um, the sentence in Spanish is vergüenza ajena. Like I'm embarrassed for people who feel like that. Um, I don't think that if you support a club truly, and you are, because you know for me supporting a club is more than just watching a football game and just rooting for the winning team, you know? You can never, ever, ever, it doesn't matter what the circumstances, it doesn't matter if it's going to get you, you know, your star player to join or leave or your manager to be sacked, anything like that. It's unacceptable, it's utterly embarrassing and it's shameful that you would ever, for whatever reason, want your team to lose, you know? And especially a final. Like, what, what are we talking about here? You know, and, and that... It really makes my blood boil that there will be pe- people that call themselves fans and want the team to lose. It's, 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 I'm lost for words, flabbergasted. Yeah, I mean, I don't lose my mind when, and we, you can go over to Patreon and check out the match reviews. You know, when they draw with Ibar 2 2 in a league that's already done and dusted, you know, I'm not losing my mind. I'm not having a conniption fate. I think there's something to, recognizing and I always try to do this especially in La Liga we if we want to say that it's just as good as the Premier League then we have to trust that Barcelona even can be given a fight if they don't bring their best and I think there is value in if a team best Barcelona to be realistic and say that that's an okay thing that happens but it's that's different than just accepting losing and I think that's the point here that I think Barcelona, as we said, should beat Valencia. But if Barcelona are not good enough, Valencia are a good side. They earned their right in the Copa del Rey final. They booked their ticket, and they're going to defeat Barcelona if they want it more. And especially when it comes down to these last few games of the season, you know what hurts the most, again, about Liverpool, about those kind of matches, was that Barcelona didn't want it as much. And Real Madrid's season went completely out of whack when against Barcelona, without Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez had a field day against him in the fall, as we remember, because Barcelona clearly wanted it, and Real Madrid clearly didn't. You know, it's, it's that adage that Sid Lowe says that, you know, we can, we can go and break down tactics forever and ever and ever and say, Valverde's pragmatic, this and this and this, but if a team doesn't want it on a particular day, then a quality side, a top four in the Liga team, is going to take it to them, and they're going to get the result. But I, I think, as you said, it's completely ludicrous to say that you hope that Barcelona miss out on this. Because again, as I'm going through this Copa del Rey history again, yes, it's been 30 different titles, but that's 30 different titles over 110 years. 
So really, in the in the span of a fan's lifetime, you know, it's what twelve, maybe you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Obviously, it was more scant. Uh, you know, a hundred a uh, hundred years ago, like right at the beginning. But you know, you're talking twelve, thirteen Copa del Rey titles. So to expect them every single year and to expect any title any single year uh, is something that I think Messi has made us expect them. I don't, that's not me thinking. I think it's a fact that Messi wins. That's what he does. And so Messi equals titles. And as much as we're trying to stockpile Scrooge McDuck as many titles as we can, when it comes at a time after Messi, there is going to have to be almost a complete reevaluation of, of, of what Barca's goals are, what we want Barca to be, and all these different things. And Roscoe's question here, do you think we're too optimistic about players being sold to shake up the squad? You know, part of the reason why we believe that there needs to be shakeup is because I think Kevin Williams has always said when he comes on the show, the issue, the really the only issue that Barca have this season, other than, yes, a little bit of scoring death behind Messi, is that they are getting a little old in the tooth. That's the big issue, that that defense, uh, PK was unbelievable this season however he is aging Busquets has been caught out in ways that he never has before and yes you know he's only in his uh, early 30s now but regardless he is going to age pretty quickly because there's a lot of deep runs there's a lot of uh of deep miles as they say uh on his legs he is getting long in the tooth even though his age might not be because he has played a lot a lot of high pressure football um and the same goes for Messi the same goes for Suarez the core of the squad uh, has aged, and there has to be some kind of shakeup. But for me, Frances, answering this question first is that I seem to think that they're going to want to run this back, especially if Alverde stays. If Alverde stays, and I think so much of that core uh, is still staying, I think Luis Suarez will still be the the consummate starter next year, and they'll just bring in somebody to to kind of serve service some time from him if they don't get Antoine Griezmann. Uh, but I think you might see less shakeup even than you think. The peripherals of Malcolm and Denis Suarez and Andre Gomes. Uh, those are going to be the names that are moving this summer. Yeah, and if you think about it as well, you've got Ter Stegen who's going to start regardless. Um, I would personally sell Silesen. He wants to go, so I would sell him for the best. Whatever offer is best for us, we just take it. Then in terms of good offer, it means the highest amount of money we can get. And I would promote um, a, B, a B team goalkeeper just from La Masia. Yeah. Then Penny's the good right at Iñaki uh, Penny's good enough. I think for people who've watched him, he's good enough to be a backup. I I, I mean, and then yeah. you could throw him in the fire. Absolutely, he's been good. He's been their top goalkeeper, Inaki Pena, I mean, for the last maybe five, six, seven years out of La Masia. That's how good Inaki Pena is. He's a backup. Yeah, and re- yeah, and realistically, what is he going to play? He's going to play the Copa del Rey, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that should be enough. That should be enough. You know, there's people that want to throw away the Copa del Rey because they want to get rid of the manager, and they want to sign, spend money on a goalkeeper when... We need to promote the people that understand Barca, not just the system of play, which is incredible, incredibly important. It is what the club is and what the club stands for. So absolutely promote from within. From the right back, you've got Semedo and Sergio Roberto. I think the position's covered with them, um, especially the way they've done it this year. I would say Semedo because of his better defensive um, predisposition and experience. I think he probably has the edge there. But Roberto is a very valid option. In the centre, if you can get the lead... And that's a big if at the moment, obviously, because um, there's all the teams at European stage trying to get him. But Lenglet and Piquet, they've been great. As I said before, I would sell Umtiti. Uh, I know a lot of people don't agree with this, but, you know, it's my opinion. I think sell him, make the most of the money you can. Um, on the left back, you've got Jordi Alba, who is the clear starter. Um, I would personally, I know I mentioned Felipe Luis coming um, as a sort of free transfer. 
But I would personally just bring back Kukureya. Um, he can absolutely do the job. He's been stellar this year in La Liga. He's one of the top assisters in his team. And he looks sharp against us. Uh, not that you would decide on just one game, but he's been great and showed that at the big stage against us, he can, he can perform. Then in midfield, you've got the young, bringing fresh blood. Um, I think Busquets, um, he needs to be sort of phased out slowly but surely. I think that no, obviously not get rid of him at all, but he needs to coach the newcomers and that would be the young um, in order to move things forward. I think Artur needs to have a more prevalent role than he has had this season. I think um, Vidal can't stay. You know, I like the, the fire, the termination and resilience that he's brought to the team. And that, in a way, is what's been lacking in decisive moments. Um, and then Alenyan is to continue to grow. And I think Ricky Puch can be thrown into, into the mix as well. Um, as I said before as well, Rakitic, I think, should be sold. If they can give us 55, 60 million euros, then we should, we should thank him for his many years of service. But I don't think Rakitic is going to get any better. Uh, and if you are keeping Busquets, I think you can offload Rakitic. So there you go. Um, up front, Suarez, absolutely, you have to keep but you have to get a replacement. Um, there has been lots of young names thrown into it. Maxi Gomez from Celta seems to be a realistic option. Um, I know that Barca are already sort of looking towards um, acquiring him, and that would be a great move. Obviously, Messi, um, he's got two, three years max left with us, and he can continue to lead. And then hopefully Dembele finds the magic wand and stops getting injured so often. Then Coutinho, I would sell. Um, I think Coutinho has to go because, you know, once the, the Camp Nou stops trusting you and the way that he disrespected us as a crowd, I think it's unacceptable. I don't think he's going to turn the situation around and we need to shop him out um, and see, see who can give us the best offer. And as I said before, the most money, not necessarily wherever he wants to go. And then people are talking about Griezmann. Um, guys, I understand Griezmann is a great player. I understand Griezmann is a World Cup winner. I understand his goal also go for Atletico, but he was an absolute clown last summer. He disrespected our club. He laughed at us. Um, I know from reports from inside the dressing room, the players are annoyed at him. Uh, people like, say, Piquet, that actually went through his documentary firm, his film crew firm, to make that the decision. And then he turned around the last minute and spoiled it all. Um, I know that he's been using the name of people like even Messi uh, with the Atletico de Madrid um, Simeone, Cerezo, uh, top board people when he was justifying his exit. And that was absolute nonsense. Messi hasn't said a word either way. And that didn't sit down very well either. And, you know, once you are running a team, uh, once you're running a, an organization, which I am doing in, you know, not my podcast job, but my other job as well, um, you need to know about relationships. You need to know about trust. You need to know about respect. And, Griezmann broke the trust, respect, and make a mockery of um, our players or, and our club. So I don't care how good he is at kicking a ball. I would absolutely not have him in my club. And that is the same reasoning for Neymar, by the way. And people saying he should come back. He should absolutely not come back. He left us. He was great with us, very thankful, etc. But he would absolutely not, not come back because of the way that he treated the club. And, you know, Barca's values, the La Masia values, the Johan Cruyff values, go beyond whether you can score goals or not. And I don't care whether Neymar and Griezmann are the best two players in the world, which obviously is not the case because that's not them. But even if they were, I wouldn't want them at my club because they go against what I believe in and not just I, because I'm not really that important, is what my club 
my people, my community, our community stand for, and that is not what Griezmann and Neymar represent with their behavior. So absolutely not welcome. Yeah, it's funny when it comes to Griezmann, it's it's almost as if, you know, I'm fine with not having him. And if he has to come, then I'll just get used to it. And we'll just, you know, he'll immediately slot in the starting 11 and we'll figure out things from there. So it is a funny thing that I have a potential, you know, starting 11 player who I, you know, take it or leave it. But as far as the big guys, again, my this is my instinct. Again, don't put any money down on it. But my instinct is that Rakitic doesn't leave and Coutinho does. Uh, Coutinho, I think there's no way that he returns. But I think, especially if Alverde's back, then Rakitic is a packet deal. Well, we have one from Rick before we go back uh, to the main first team and talk about a little more about La Liga. Um, Rick asked, what do you think about the progress that Barca Femini has made? Uh, and this is, yes, they did get shellacked by Lyon in the Champions League, but Lyon have also won uh, more than half the Champions League trophies this decade. Uh, that's just how dominant the Lyon side is. They won, I believe it's 13 of their own domestic titles in France. Uh, that Lyon side has the female Ballon d'Or winner, um, and they have just tons of depth all over the field, and they're an unbelievable side. So Le- losing to Lyon in the Champions League final means that you were basically the best team in all of women's football uh, because you don't really count just the team that would have dominated anybody by that scoreline who would have made the final. So how much progress have the Barcelona Femini made? To answer this quickly, Rick, is that the 2012-2013 season was their first time participating in the Champions League. Uh, they have had a run of second in the league, so hoping that they can overtake Atletico Madrid finally and get back to there. But the fact that, you know, they can dominate by, you know, I think it was 8-1 was the one scoreline this season, or 7-1, whatever it was, over Madrid CFF, which is not affiliated with Real Madrid, but is the Madrid side. It tells you that Barcelona are trying to put money into that sporting project. Uh, and as I've said, with Lecky Martins and Tony Dugan uh, and Kerry Amraoui coming in this season, they have a, a lot of names that are going to start to sell shirts. They finally were able to sell shirts with Stanley on in the store. So people are going to start buying those. And they're, again, they're even expanding, trying to put a team in the NWSL. I don't know if that's going to happen. But either way, expanding that brand as well, uh, growing uh, women's fo- football. And this is a Barcelona podcast. Mainly, we do talk about the, the men's team. That's what people care about. I mean, Frances two weeks ago talked about it, that people aren't really paying attention to them. But I do you know, I hopefully say that they don't pay attention to them yet because, again, I think a ton of people watched that final with them in it. Uh, it was available on YouTube. And as I've said about La Masia as well, people care about Barcelona. They care about the whole brand. And while they're not going to be yelling about it on Twitter, they're not going to be dedicating profile pictures to their to certain players. Uh, if you watch it, for people love Barca. If you put it on the Internet and it exists and it's available to people, they will watch it, and I think the Femini, if they are on uh, the, you know, if they can continue to make Champions League finals, continue to be in the big matches, uh, I- I'm excited to see their growth. I think it's just exponential growth from here. So, what do you think, Frances? Well, I think that they have been tremendous this year. I think the progress has been remarkable based on the facts that you just gave, and I think they are a great example for young girls. I mean, I've got two little girls at home, um, and I did put the final on for them. They didn't quite understand what was going on, but I think it is it is remarkable that they got that far. Um, and I wish that they continue to close the gap to men's um, in order to be as important. But, you know, as I said before, they're not at the moment, but hopefully that will change because either it's Barcelona Femini or the basketball team or the handball team, it's, it's all the same club. And that's what makes us more than a club, not just the football men's section. 
and, and it's good to see them succeeding even though they didn't win in the end. Well, let's transition back into the, the men's first team. Question from Zach. Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid are both expected to spend big this summer. Which team will pose a realistic threat to Barcelona's title defense and how specifically should we reinforce for the league? And this goes back to the early point I made that Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid have a ton of overhaul coming, more so than Barcelona. They're going to be spending big money. And this kind of goes to the question of, did Barcelona deserve to win the Liga this season, even with those two completely faltering? And, you know, in previous seasons, if they were even a shell of what these two, you know, clubs in Madrid were, Barcelona would have had a much more difficult time winning the Liga uh, than they did. Uh, But I I think that he asked which team, you know, I think Real Madrid, our eternal rivals are always going to be the ones who are going to pose the bigger threat. But in the same respect, uh, Atletico Madrid are still going to try to give it the best try. And over the last four seasons, Atletico Madrid have been the one to worry about, not Real Madrid. I think the team to worry about is Barca. I think what we need to focus on is reinforcing our, our, our weaknesses, reinforcing our own squad and making sure that we are as good as we need to be. Um, it goes back to what I said before when, when I went through all the players. If we've got the squad in place, it doesn't quite matter what Madrid do or what Atletico de Madrid do, we will beat them. Uh, we need to have uh, 14, 15 starters. Like In a way, we have had this season, but obviously we need to be resilient, we need to be focused, and we need to know that any given time um, a competition could go, as we saw in Liverpool. So I think Barca are their own worst enemy, and as long as we reinforce ourselves and we have a coach that can perform, can motivate, and can engage our players in the way that Valverde just couldn't do, at the key moment of the season this year, I think we will win La Liga again and we can challenge for the treble, um, regardless of who Madrid or Atletico or Valencia or anybody else signs. Yeah, you know what? That's a good way to answer that, Frances, just because, you know, all the news is going to be, and I like, I, I you know, fine, let Zidane and, and Gareth Bale fight the whole time. And I think when it comes to offloading players like Felipe Coutinho this summer, I don't want it to be as messy as that situation happening at uh, Real Madrid. Uh, and I think what's happening with Real Madrid is the locker room has, you know, become a little bit divided in certain places. And obviously when Zidane came back in, uh, it's it's been odd to see even Keller Nevis kind of be pushed to the uh, peripheral and leaving the club now. Uh, something that, you know, has he's one of the few Real Madrid players that have been, I guess you'd say, respected by uh, those of us on, on the Blagrana side of the aisle. Uh, but, you know, I, I, th- I think I would agree with that, that Barcelona need to continue to uh, shore up the squad and you know La Liga will continue to be won by players number 14, 15, 16, 17. It's what you kind of said at the start when looking at the depth of the team. If Carlos Alenia takes that big step up, I mean that's how Man City is dominating England at the moment. That's how they just won the FA Cup because their guys on the peripheral like Phil Foden, that you know teenage midfielder, he took a step forward and he could be trusted in those matches. Uh, and I think something I'd love to see next season um, irrespective of the league that you know there are certain matches where you know even when talking about yes Miranda did struggle this season at left back and you know it was a point where he couldn't really be trusted in those kind of op- uh, situations and by situations I just mean that you know regular Copa del Rey or La Liga situations but I think there has to come a day of reckoning for Barcelona at the, uh, at the moment with promoting youth again that uh, Alenia is going to have to start you know, even bigger matches. He's going to have to start against a Sevilla every now and again. It's going to have to happen uh, for the club to continue to try to win on all accounts. He's going to have to get sure, a start in an the, important match. Yeah. The key, but the key with Alanya is what you said in the previous spot. He has to start alongside 
Messi and Suarez exactly. and, and yep. people of that caliber. You can't put all of your, in a way, second unit together because then in a way, then it's not the blind leading the blind. Right. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> yep, so 100%. It is, it is being able to, to feed off other people, being able to be challenged by others and being able to associate with them so you can elevate your own game. And it absolutely needs to be gradual. And that went wrong this season and it needs to be better. Yeah, that's what I'm going to tattoo on my face actually this offseason. Puj has never played with Messi yet. Uh, and, and that's the whole point is that I want, as we've said, we want rotation, but rotation happens with just two or three players. And uh, that has been for all the players that have debuted, you know, Valverde now has, as we expected when he was hired, Frances, I remember you and I talking about this very thing, basically in the, uh, when our podcast was still just, just a little baby and we were getting it started, it was starting to learn how to walk. And we were talking about when Valverde was coming in for Luis Enrique, that the big thing about Valverde was how much youth he had to form and had to debut and had to work with at, at uh, Athletic Bilbao, just because of the circumstances of that club and the rules that they have about their bass players in their academy. And when Valverde yeah, has come but- here... He has, but he, he has debuted a ton of Barca B players. But I think the question I asked on the Patreon, and this is the final, final question I'll wrap up. This is a question for me, Frances, that I'll wrap up with is under Valverde, how many players have actually improved and progressed and have become players that you trust? I mean, because I don't know. I think Langley was just as good at, at Sevilla. We just didn't see it. Arthur was already pretty good, and that's why he fits so seamlessly like a glove because this is basically the player he was when he came in. So my question for you then is, what players have actually gotten better under Valverde? Sergio Roberto, maybe? I agree with that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Again, that wasn't a question without an answer, but... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Sergio Roberto. And that's that's really sad because I do remember recording uh, episode two or three, and it was precisely that. And, And... I think Valverde has disappointed in the fact that he's been so conservative and so concerned about his own job that actually he hasn't moved our players forward and he hasn't promoted well enough. And that is a shame. Yeah, I think that's the expectation. I think instead of just, you know, again, people are upset about what's happening on the field. But I think that's actually my biggest indictment of Valverde would be that you know I'm happy with the results, but in the same respect, I think it is possible to get all those results plus getting players better and improving players. And I, that's what I want to see. Uh, but I think we're going to continue to try to improve. And having you on the show, Frances, is always a big help to uh, improve the quality for our listeners as we uh, also bring in a few other guests. And as we have the Copa del Rey final this week, again, there's a YouTube video coming out on that uh, in the next few days. But I've got a lot planned on the summer, uh, some special stuff we're working on, and some evergreen stuff, as you will, some long-form stuff uh, that you know is going to fill your ears during the summertime as uh, some of you might be watching international stuff that we'll talk about. But the Parcelona podcast... We'll continue over the summertime. Uh, we'll just be doing a few special little things. And, of course, we'll have all the transfer news and all that stuff. And depending on who signs, we'll deep dives on all those players. But, Frances, thanks for joining the show. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in again. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media, too. We're on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod, or at HiltonD13 for me, and on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod. Our close Facebook group is tbbod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions. You can also help us on, on Patreon to continue making these shows. That's tbbod.link backslash Patreon. That's where we do the match reviews. So you heard Frances talk about Kukurea this week and Alvaro Ruiz. Uh, we talked about a little la- last week, but if you really want 
on my opinion about Kukureya and Alvaro Ruiz and the you know deeper dives like 10 15 minutes about these matches that's over at Patreon uh, you can get in for I think it's a dollar three dollars whatever it is it also helps us make more shows and helps uh, it helps improve the YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff so again that's the final summer plea for that as I said we're also on YouTube now at the Barcelona podcast check us out and hit that subscription button so thanks for listening to Barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon for Barca. Forza. Call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Don't miss the Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event. Get $100 back on a package that's right for you. That's a gift. You'll unwrap amazing speed and Wi-Fi coverage from America's best internet provider. Plus, the Emmy Award-winning X1 voice remote with Xfinity X1. The easiest all-in-one entertainment experience. A gift in a gift in a gift. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. The Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event ends December 10th. So click, call, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. New X1 double play and triple play customers only. Minimum one to two year term contract required.